Again, good to see everyone this morning. So glad that we're able to, to be together and to come together as a church and, and to be edified by singing songs of praise together and praying together and encouraging one another, being able to take the Lord's Supper. I think we take it for granted sometimes, the things that we get to do, the honor that we have on the first day of the week to, to worship our God collectively as a church. And I think these times have, have helped us to understand that, helped us to appreciate it all the more. And we're so blessed that we're able to be able to meet this morning and to do those things we've been commanded to do. And just wanted to share a few thoughts with you this morning and the idea here about being so easily distracted. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1, we'll, we'll do a little reading through the first three chapters here. And we'll make some application with what uh, is told to us in the New Testament. But we remember, of course, the story of creation, how God, in six days, he created all the things that we know. The heavens and the earth, he created in six days. You read read through the account there in chapter 1, it tells you what he did in each day. And then, as I read a few minutes ago in chapter 2, there's a, a brief recap of that, and it says that, Verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, Thus the account of the heavens and the earth when, the, when they were created in the day of the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. And so God created, of course, a perfect world. And in that we see that um, it indeed was perfect. If you look back up in verse 31, it says, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was the evening and there was the morning, the sixth day. So not only did God create all the, the things in six, in six days, and it says there that, behold, it was very good. So the world that God created for us to live in, and the world, that world which Adam and Eve would, would live in for a brief amount of time, was perfect. It was made in God's image. That is to say, in his mind he created it. In his mind he created the animals, and he created us in his image. The idea that we have a soul and that we are able to think and reason, that's the image of God that that we're created in. So he gave us that beautiful, perfect world in which we were to live. But as the lesson title was so easily distracted, there's distraction coming very quickly. But let's keep going on this for just a moment. Down in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says that then the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So listen now to the the world in which um, man was given. It says, And the Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing in the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So this world which God gave man to to live in was perfect, and he had these things that would just naturally grow, and would provide food for the man, and provide shelter, and provide a a way of, of life and his existence that he can go on. But he gave man one restriction, just one. Look down at verse 15. Of chapter 2. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, 
But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day, of the, in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. So this beautiful world that God created for Adam to live in, he had only one restriction. He said, only from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat. Everything else you can. So even with all the blessings and so little limitation, man was easily distracted. We know the rest of the story. We know how the serpent comes there in chapter 3 and <clears throat> deceives Eve. And, and, and he, the serpent convinces Eve that you're not going to die in the day that you eat the, from the knowledge of good and evil. And sure enough, she ate. And then Adam comes along and, and, she, and he eats also. And we see the consequences that fall from that. The consequences that Adam and Eve then are kicked out of that garden. That they're removed from that perfect world that God had created for them. Never to return. And so, all the blessings that they had, they were very easily distracted. Just a piece of fruit. Surely you're not going to die if you eat that. And so they were willing to turn their eyes from, from the, everything that they, God had given them and see this one thing that they just had to have. They turned their back on all the blessings for the one thing that they were forbidden to have. Let's make some application. Go now to the New Testament with me. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> slide there says a not so perfect world we know that um, because of sin because of what we just recounted there what we remembered that the physical world we live in is forever scarred by sin because of the actions of Adam and Eve sin came into the world Paul writes about that in the Roman letter the sin came into the world and all men will die because they have sinned if they don't repent of those sins. And so, the world in which we live in now, like I said, a physical world, is forever scarred by sin, but the spiritual world we belong to is still full of those blessings. Look with me in Ephesians here, chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. It says, Bless me, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose, in, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Stop there for just a minute and understand that God's plan for how he would redeem man back to himself began before he ever created anything in this world that we know. He knew the, the, about man and his nature in which he was going to be created. He knew that man would, would choose to sin, given free will, and he knew that the only way to redeem man back to himself was through the blood of his only son. God knew all that before he ever, ever even created the heavens and the earth. So think about the, the blessings in which we, uh, that we have, that God has given to us, all the blessings that are summed up in Jesus Christ. So now, picking up verse 5. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. 
to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of time, that is, the summing up in all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. See how all that fullness is represented in Jesus Christ. That before he laid the foundations of the earth, he knew this plan and how it would unfold, and he knew the blessings in which he would give to us. And they all come through Jesus Christ. Verse 11, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that, that, uh, that we who are the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, of promise, who has given to us as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession through the praise of his glory. Not only did he give us all these blessings, but he sealed it with the Holy Spirit as a promise, as a down payment, as a surety of the life that we have awaiting for us when this life is over. So all those blessings that we have, the, the, the spiritual blessings that we have, which are more abundant now under the law of Christ than even they were under the law of Moses. They were good under the law of Moses. It was a good law. It came from God. It, it was there for them, for his children. Yet under the law of Christ, it's better. Because not only does God forgive us of our sins, but he remembers them no more. So that we can live in this spiritual world. Yes, our physical world is forever scarred by sin, but the spiritual world we live in is so blessed. And so we have the opportunity to do the same thing that Adam and Eve did. All the blessings that we have around us, all the things that we have, just listen to that beautiful language I just read there. All the things that God had given to us, adoption as, as his children, all these things summed up in Christ. Yet we can turn our back on those things and look to that one thing that is forbidden. And we can lose all that. It puts it into perspective, doesn't it? That all the blessings that Adam and Eve had, all the things that they could do in the garden, there's just that one tree over here with this fruit. I'm going to turn my back on all these things over here for that one piece of fruit over here. So let's not lose sight of all that we have. All the blessings that we have in this world, in the spiritual world that we have, let's not lose sight over that for one piece of fruit. It's easy to do. We have so much, sometimes we just lose sight of it. And this over here is so shiny for the moment. It calls to us so, so hard. It causes us sometimes to lose all the blessings that we have. I want to leave you with this thought that Paul writes. And this really sums up what we ought to, the attitude that we ought to have. Paul says, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
More than that, I count all things to be loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them all but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Are the things in this world, all things in this world, rubbish to you in light of the gains that we have in Jesus Christ? I have another lesson that kind of in my mind. Of, I tentatively titled it, What Luggage Do We Get to Take to Heaven? I'm going to develop that and do that a lesson a little bit longer and sometime in the future. But it applies here. What, what is it that we get to take out of this world into the next? The answer is nothing. Only our soul. It's only our soul that will go forward. All the idioms that you can think of, you can't take it with you. All the things that, that, we, that come to mind when we think about that. It's true. The only thing we'll take out of this world is our soul. So are we willing to put all those things behind us? Are we willing to count all those things but rubbish? Are we willing to stand up for our faith, knowing that it's the most precious thing that we have in this world? Our relationship with our God, that will carry forward. Nothing else will. No other relationship in this world will carry forward. Only the other relationships that we have with those other saints that we will be singing with one day in heaven. Everything else of this world is passing. So let's not lose sight of all the blessings that we have and lose all those blessings over that one piece of fruit, that one piece of forbidden fruit. I hope this lesson's been encouraging to you. I hope that we'll continue to be faithful. Let's continue to stand for the faith and stand for the truth. Let's continue to be an example to those of us, those around us, those who are looking for those shining lights in this world. Let those lights be us so they can see an example of what it means to be a child of God.